Welcome to the Salted Caramel Podcast from Our Lady of Mount Carmel in Carmel, Indiana. This is a podcast where we get to broadcast others' faith stories. We get to have the gift of hearing how God has touched other people's lives and how he continues to lead them in their lives. My name is David Cook. I'm the stewardship director here at Our Lady of Mount Carmel, and with me is the, I don't have an adjective, Jody Curtis. <laughs> Jody, who's our guest today? Our guest today is James Carroll. James, thanks for joining us today. It's my pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me on. James, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Well, my name is James Carroll, as I said, and I am the assistant director at the Merciful Help Center uh, on the campus of Our Lady of Mount Carmel. Fancy title there. I know. And so I'm very blessed to be able to be working over there and helping those in need and the other staff members at the Merciful Help Center. When did you start? Just about three weeks ago, so I'm pretty fresh. (laughs) (laughs) Well, welcome to our parish. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So, James, what what was your life like before Christ? Yeah, it's there's definitely a life there. Let's say that. Um, I think it was a lot of opportunity that I never really, you know, had a lot of peace. I just kind of was going from the next thing, one thing after another, and just was like, I need to do better in this thing. I need to continue to move forward. Even if I didn't quite get something done or completed to the best of my ability, I was like, I just have to keep going. There's no no other option. Was this more so in school or just in everything? Kind of in everything. A lot in school, definitely. Especially in college, I was studying music and performing and doing all that kind of stuff. And I was like, well, I have to be better than this person. I have to be better than the next person, the next person, the next person. So that'd make me just kind of sit there and practice more or spend more time talking with other people to, to figure out their weaknesses and to see where I could go after them and all that kind of stuff. So it was just a, a life that was kind of fast paced. Yeah. Kind of out for yourself too. Yeah. Very self-centered. That was probably one of my biggest pitfalls was I really, you know, cared about what I wanted and what I needed and not about what other people wanted. So, so what changed? What clicked to make you care about what other people wanted? So I think the big thing is I actually encountered Christ's love for the first time ever. Casual. It's, you know, pretty casual. It's just a small <laughs> little thing that happens on a Tuesday. Um, what was that like? So yeah, I went on a retreat. One of my friends from high school asked me to go on a retreat and I uh, was like, well, I'm going to keep up this image of a nice, good Catholic boy and I'll go on this uh, this retreat. And I was in adoration for the first time. I went to confession after like six or seven years of not practicing the faith, not going to mass. Just kind you of, didn't go to confession for six, seven years? Yeah, hmm. it was a long time. There was a lot of sin on my soul. Um, but praise God for his mercy. And I went and I was sitting in adoration, and I just had this profound experience of um, being loved and knowing that I was being loved for the first time in my entire life. And it just changed me. So what happened next? <laughs> yeah, so I was in college at this point, and uh, I, was, I went back to the, the Newman Center, and I was, like, trying to find the priest and all these kinds of things. And I, I walked down, and I knock on his door, and he's like, ah, James Carroll. And I'm like, I don't know how you know my name, but hello, Father. Yeah, and from there on, this uh, this priest who was at the Newman Center, the the chaplain, he he has become my spiritual director, and he was like, "All right, this is all new, but we're gonna just kind of dive in." And I was like, "Awesome, great! What do I need to do?" He's like, "Well, I need you to pray every day." I'm like, okay, <laughs> I guess I can do that. No idea how to. Right? Yeah, exactly. So you just go and you sit in the chapel, and he's like, "Yeah, pretty much." And uh, from there, I kind of just dove in head first, and I started praying every day, going to mass every day. How'd you learn to pray? You just kind of, it's trial and error, really. 
the big thing that really did help me though to jump into it was the rosary um, it's it's simple. A lot of people are intimidated by it. Yeah. Um, but I think it's actually one of the most meditative and beautiful prayers of our faith, of our church. It's, um, you know, just the rep- repetition of those Hail Marys really kind of get you into the headspace of where you need to be in prayer. It usually see. gets me in the headspace of where I need a nap. <laughs> <laughs> Not going to lie, that has happened to me multiple times. <laughs> but it is definitely uh, a very good foundation for people just to kind of start there and pray that rosary and you just kind of move move up from there, I guess. One more clarifying thing is you mentioned he became your spiritual director. Not everybody knows what that is. Ah, Will valid, you, yes. Yeah, not to put you on the spot. No, so a spiritual director is someone who kind of walks with you uh, throughout your spiritual life, even your earthly life as well, and just kind of talking about what uh, struggles you might be facing or what things that you're trying to discern. So let's say for me personally, at that same time of coming back to the faith, I started to discern whether I should enter the seminary or not. And um, he had the opportunity to walk with me in that process, as did David. We've been very good friends for a long what? time. I Crazy. Was, <laughs> I know. But uh, kind of walk with one another and talk about uh, the movements of your heart and what is the Lord doing in that. The big thing that they really kind of uh, tried to point you back to is where's the peace in your prayer and that's where the lord is and that's how you discern a lot of things so spiritual directors kind of help you just see what the lord's doing yeah. find that peace so that to go from someone who hadn't practiced the faith for six to seven years to discern seminary seemed yeah, like a drastic. pretty big jump it was it was very 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 drastic um but the Lord does that, you know. He kind of just hits you over the head by a two-by-four sometimes with a two-by-four. And um, you kind of have to just jump into it. A lot of people, uh, you know, are praying for vocations, giving the seminary and fund, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and we notice there's a shortage of vocations. Can you kind of go through your journey discerning so people can kind of, oh, I'm doing that right now. And they don't even realize that they're discerning a religious life. Right. Yeah. So the big thing that I uh, really kind of used as my discernment tool was, you know, just that daily prayer life, sitting in prayer and asking the Lord, what do you desire? What is your will, Lord? And the community that I was surrounded with was something that really uh, had a big influential uh, aspect on my life was David, actually, he was in the seminary the year before I was discerning, and he had came back to the university, and we became friends, and he kind of helped me through the process to see, like, what how to apply for seminary, what it's going to be like. Um, my spiritual director, you know, constantly encouraged me to pray. But as you really kind of just dive in and go forward in it, you just kind of have to choose, which is really hard, like really, really hard. But you have to choose like, all right, do I think this is what the Lord's asking me to do? Yes. All right, I'm going to do that. A lot of people tend to make it this really big, like, oh my gosh, I need this massive sign and I need all of these different things. And yes, those happen at times, but for the average person, we're not all like, you know, St. Francis of Assisi or something like that. <laughs> we're just going to have to follow that, those small little inklings in your heart and um, use those to really kind of discern because I've, I fell into a lot of like, all right, Lord, I need this big sign. Give me this big sign. But it's really those small interactions you have with the community around you and what the Lord is doing in your heart in your prayer. Um, kind of that discernment aspect of that. That's well said. I, I know talking to some other guys who have discerned is the the choice was I'm going to go to seminary and be a priest for the rest of my life or mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm going to get married. Mm-hmm. But I'm sitting here after one year of seminary. James is sitting here after three years of seminary. He's mm-hmm. engaged and I'm married. Mm-hmm. It's like, 
No, you're going to seminary for a portion of the time to discern what God wants for your life, and right. men mm-hmm. become better through seminary. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if the statistic still holds up, but I was told that 50% of seminarians discern out. Right. And yeah, so One for of- all you young men out there, <laughs> discern and go. It's great. Yeah, nice. it's it's amazing. Free education. Yeah. yeah. Our diocese is blessed to be able to afford that. Mm-hmm. So you did go to seminary, did, and David yes. said you stayed for three years. Mm-hmm. Then what? what Sorry, spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, at the end of my three years, I discerned that the Lord was uh, asking me to take a uh, step out of formation and to uh, discern marriage. Um, so you kind of discern priesthood and all that while you're in seminary, and then you come on out, and you discern if the Lord's asking you to get married. And uh, I found that real uh, real big desire to continue to grow in my time in seminary is to to, to get married. So I, I left and kind of crazily the day after I left seminary, I met my fiance, which is kind of crazy to think, but, um, I, I was at a friend, a friend's wedding and she was there as well. And she asked me to dance and I was like, Oh wait, I don't know if I can actually dance with you, but <laughs> at the same time, yeah, I'm not in the seminary anymore. I can dance with you. <laughs> um, so I did. And she was just great. And she's also friends with David. And she was like, Hey, you should like Set me up with James. To me. Yeah, yeah to David. To <laughs> and so the rest is history, I guess. But I, I, I left seminary and took the summer to just take some time. And we started dating uh, just over a year ago. And through that time, David was like, hey, nothing's really keeping you in South Dakota where we're from. So you should come to Indiana. Hey. <laughs> and, uh, well. I had a spare bedroom. Yeah. So I went and I lived with David for a little while. And I just started dating my now fiance at the point and so we have our relationship was all long distance for all of it until we got engaged until june of this year and uh you know i started working over at st alfonso's for a while and worked with young adults and young families over there and now i'm here working with the merciful help center and kind of seeing what the lord's going to do with that so and the annoying thing was there's no big moment that's like you should get married right. or you should leave of still mm-hmm. small inclinations mm-hmm. of the Lord leading you. Yeah. Which is super annoying. It's, it's the like, worst. It's just slow. And <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, tell me what to do, Lord. I, exactly. I want to know. <laughs> yeah, but he's just really peaceful in it. And he's just like, just follow this. I'm not going to tell you this He's thing. peaceful in it. I'm not. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> We're not at all. No, no, no. <laughs> oh, That's awesome. What a great story to share with us and with our listeners. So. Well, besides me, who's one of your biggest faith influencers? <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, David. Um, probably one of my biggest is, as I said before, I talked about my spiritual director. His name is Father Jeff Norfolk. He's a di- priest, a diocesan priest in the Diocese of Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And if you think of a monk... He's pretty much that. He's just like this skinny as a real guy, big beard, and he is just – if he's not in communion with the Lord always, I don't know what the Lord is doing because it's just – He's a very so simple way of living. Yeah. He doesn't like eat processed food. He only eats like everything raw and all that kind of stuff. So. Is that because of his stomach or is that – I think so, but it's also some sort of like fasting I'm sure because he's just that holy. And I'm like, all right, you can do it, man. I could never. But maybe one day. And um, James, what are you most grateful for this week? I think the thing I'm most grateful for is the gift of patience. Mm. Um, that's been something that I think he's bestowed on me a lot, which is which I'm very grateful for. Um, because my fiance's job right now, she's a high school geometry and algebra two teacher. Mm. So during this pandemic, it's not very easy for her. 
And so I just, I'm, I'm glad that I'm able to help provide a little patience and just to be able to listen to her in, in some of her uh, trying times because, you know, teaching online for kiddos is not easy. So I'm very grateful for that. Well, James, the Lord has given me many strengths and gifts, but patience is not one of them. <laughs> so I'm glad to hear that you have that gift. <laughs> yes, I'm very grateful for it. There you go. Well, what other gifts do you have? <laughs> That's our next question. Yeah. What specific gifts do you have that help you in evangelization? I'm very, very extroverted. I enjoy talking with people and just sitting down and listening to them kind of plays into that patience. But the uh, ability to just sit and listen to someone, I think, has been something that has really been profound in my life. And the the Lord has used that. I had this conversation with a a friend from college before my life before Jesus. um, They didn't see the air quotes. I know, there was air quotes. (laughs) Sorry, everyone. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, he just – I had this conversation about – him just coming back and like realizing like I haven't I hadn't talked to him in like six years I think and he was talking to me about all these different things about all these different religions he was looking into and all these kinds of things but he remembered that I would listen to him when I was in college and so he called me out of the blue he's back in South Dakota and he was like hey I think I just had like this spiritual awakening and I was like cool tell me about it. Like, what's up? Like, tell me what is, what's, what's going on. And he just kind of goes for like 30 minutes and just doesn't stop talking. And I'm just like, listen to him. Like, this is great. Like continue. Like I would love to, you know, listen. So I think the opportunity to really just, uh, sit and listen to people has been a, a gift that the Lord has used in evangelization. And that, James, I think that's so interesting because I think so many times we or others get nervous about evangelization, thinking we have to have the right things to say, Right. when really many times it's having the gift of listening to other people. And I can draw a parallel with prayer life Mm. to that, you know, it's like, oh, what do I say in prayer? What do I ask Mm. for? What do I do? It's like, well, you just sat and listened in the chapel, and now you have your gift to sit and listen to others now. Mm Yeah. sucks because I'm not good at that. Oh. Right, same. <laughs> like in prayer, it's so hard. <laughs> so James, with the name of our podcast, Salted Caramel, we're trying to redeem the phrase staying salty. Yeah. And so what keeps you salty in your faith? I think um, the thing that really does keep me salty, as we say, is the community, the people around me. Without you know, that community aspect, your faith can kind of get even harder than it already is. So like I said, David and I have been good friends for a long time now, and um, we are constantly challenging one another to continue to strive more in our faith, um, whether that's going to Mass or um, praying daily or like, you know, we send a text message, did you pray today? And like all these kinds of things. It's I did, by the way. (laughs) Good job. Great. Good. I still have to do that after work today. But you know, having that opportunity to be held accountable by another person is so helpful. And without that, I tend to fall off the track a lot. Um, and so it's it's great. We can find that in your spouse. You can find that in a friend. You can find that in, um, you know, a sibling. But there is, should be someone that you should uh, be able to confide in in that aspect. And they are the ones who will help keep you salty. Mm-hmm. Love it. That's a perfect call to action if I've ever heard one. To go out, find someone, a good friend who you can actually have deep conversations with and ask them, challenge them to hold you accountable and tell them that you'll hold them accountable. Mm-hmm. Tell them, don't ask them, <laughs> you know, 
because without each other, we cannot uh, get each other to heaven. Iron sharpens iron. So uh, get your brothers, get your sisters, get your friends, and get each other to heaven. So this week, specifically, the challenge, call to action, would be to have at least one coffee date with one of your friends and discuss how you're going to challenge each other to improve in virtue. That's like the best opportunity right there. Go on a coffee date and just talk with someone. That is literally 90% of how I try to advance and people. And listen. Yeah, and yeah. listen. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Great message. Perfect. Let's end with a prayer. James, do you want to lead or do you not? Sure, why okay. not? Put you on the spot. We've never done that before. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you, Father. I ask that throughout the rest of this week, open our hearts to receive the graces you desire to pour into them. We ask that you watch over and protect each and one of the people who are listening. Help them to know that they are loved. We ask that Our Lady wrap them in her mantle as we pray. Hail Mary, full of Lord grace, Christ, the Lord, Lord is, is with thee. thee. Blessed, blessed art thou among women, women and, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Totus tuus Maria. Holy Spirit, amen. Thanks for listening today and stay salty.